This morning, I'm going to introduce the church at Antioch in Acts chapter 8. We began there last Sunday, but to introduce to you this church, the church at Antioch, because we can learn much from the church at Antioch. Why would you want to be part of a church like Antioch? Or why would you be, want to be part of a church like First Baptist? There's a phrase that I don't want you to forget in Acts 11, verse 21. It says, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And as I will mention in the service, it is... Uh, the hand of the Lord was with them means the Lord was pleased with them. And I, I want us to see that we want to be a church like the church at Antioch because the Lord was pleased with them. And I'm praying that each of you as individuals will want to be pleasing unto the Lord. Now, maybe you don't know him yet, but this morning would be a good time to get in or be introduced to him, give you the opportunity of either receiving him as a forgiver of your sin or savior from your sin uh, and becoming part of the church family in, of God. That's my desire if you're here without Christ. Otherwise, I pray that our desire is to be pleasing unto the Lord, to see the hand of the Lord Upon us. And so I, I'm going to begin reading with verse 19, same place we read last week. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen uh, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we just look at this passage this morning, might it be our desire to know what it means and to do what it means, please. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit might work in our hearts that you might fill me with the Spirit, give me the right words to say, and that we might be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to change us, to be more like Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, a couple things before we look at the three principles for biblical church growth. I want to look at that again today. A couple things, though. They needed Spirit-filled Leadership. Verse 24, Barnabas was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost. We need spirit-filled leadership. And secondly, why is this important to us? Because the hand of the Lord, if you want the hand of the Lord to be on you, this is important for you today. And if either the hand of the Lord is upon you or the hand of the Lord is against you, and if the hand of the Lord is against you, he is doing it for a reason, and that's maybe to bring you back to Jesus Christ. Bring you back to your Savior. Bring you back to the one that loved you and gave his life for you. And so, uh, remember that. It's revealed, this, uh, these elements are revealed to us in a church called Antioch, which 
is a city that we looked at last week, moral decay, religious confusion, and racial tension. Yet the number of believers multiplied. Everything seemed to be against them. But it, God used it for their growth, that many came to know Christ. And it seems that those nations that are being persecuted the most are seeing the greatest revival, the greatest numbers of people saved. Whether it be China or India or Sudan, that where the per- to be a Christian means your life is at, uh, at stake. You might be killed any minute. Yet there the gospel goes out and people are coming to know Christ by the hundreds of thousands. And yet in a nation like us where we have relatively peace, uh, so the persecution that we might face isn't all bad. It can be good. It's going to get worse, I believe, before the Lord comes back. But it can be good because it can be a tool used by God for growth. And so the church grew so much that they sent the church at Jerusalem, said, what's going on in Antioch? And they sent Barnabas there to find out what was happening. And uh, in verse 23, it says that, that it, it gave warmth to his heart or gladness to his heart. So what is it that took place at the church at Antioch? First, they were reaching the lost. Now, they had a poor example to start with in verse 19. They were only sharing it with the Jews. Jews only. Uh, They're they're just like us. So we're only going to tell them about Jesus. And so at first, they only began, that was a poor example. Now, this preaching doesn't, in verse 19, maybe in your copy of the Scriptures, it might say proclaiming or giving forth the message, it means that everybody that was scattered abroad, they were giving out this message. They weren't uh, standing in pulpits to preach. Some of them may have in the, in the squares there, but most of them were just sharing Jesus Christ, sharing what Jesus had done for them, sharing why they had left Jerusalem. Well, why did you, why did you move here? Because there's a refugee camp now of Jews around uh, Antioch, and why are you here? Well, because we were chased out of Jerusalem. Why were you chased out of Jerusalem? Because of a man who died on the cross for us and came forth from the grave and he, he, save us, he saved us from our sin and, uh, and they give out the gospel. And many were asking, well, that's what, that's what I need. I need my sins forgiven as well. So it began with a poor example. Uh, they were discriminant in their preaching or their sharing Jesus Christ. But then, I wonder, why would they do that? They were sharing the good news. Why were they going to, and not going to share it with the Greeks or the Gentiles? I mean, what is the good news? The good news is you can have your sins forgiven. The bad news is all of us are born as sinners. We have sin on, hung around us. Uh, Growing up in South Dakota, uh, we had chickens and uh, with cattle and all the rest of the stuff. But uh, we had chickens and we also had dogs. Now, they weren't inside dogs like we have around here. They're outdoor dogs. But every now and then, one of our dogs would kill a chicken. And we knew what that meant. If, if they kill a chicken, normally they will become chicken killers. Chicken killers. 
I remember we had a, a dog that we loved, especially uh, the kids. We loved this dog. It killed a chicken. We, we began to cry because we knew what happened to chicken killers. And uh, Dad said, we'll try something. And he took that dead chicken and a piece of twine, and he tied that dead chicken around the neck of our dog. And that dog carried that chicken for two weeks around his neck uh, until either dad cut the twine off or the head fell off and he fell to the ground. I don't know. I can't remember that. But he's carrying this rotted chicken or rotting chicken around on his neck. That's the way we are before we come to Christ. We are carrying sin around our necks. Ephesians 2 said, uh, And you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So we, we are walking around zombies dead until we come meet Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive us our sin and save us. And so it, it, when dad cut off that twine, the sin fell off. When Jesus Christ cut that twine, the sin falls off. When we come to the cross of Jesus Christ and we kneel at the foot of the cross and, and we behold our Savior, the sin falls off. That's good news. Now, it's bad news that we're sinners, but it's good news that we can have our sins forgiven. You can have peace with a holy and a powerful God, not just peace. So that, I mean, that would be good enough just to be on speaking terms. But it's, it's greater than that. Now, when we come to Jesus Christ, he becomes our Father, uh, the Father in heaven. It becomes, Jesus is our Savior. God the Father becomes our Father. We become the children of God. And we get uh, home in heaven prepared by Jesus. He's gone to prepare that for us. And so what uh, these Jews that were telling None but unto the Jews only. They were actually telling the Gentiles that you just go to hell. And I think about that and I think, is that what I'm telling my friends that I never share Jesus with? That I really don't care about your soul. Because hell is real and heaven is real. And uh, I have the opportunity, I can share with them. They don't have to believe that. But uh, at least give them the opportunity. Now, that's why we have New Testament ministry here. And, and some of you, that we, do, we have New Testaments back there. And, and uh, to share Jesus Christ, you know, Dick Dean now is housebound and, and uh, on hospice. And he will die soon. But he, he went through hundreds of New Testaments. And that's why we got started with giving, having a table with New Testaments and pick up a couple and go. But he was good at, at meeting somebody and, and saying, hey, do you have any kids? Yeah, we've got two kids at home. He says, uh, are there any times when they get sad and, and you want to encourage them? Oh, yeah. You want a, a tool to help you encourage them? And he says, here, in this, in this New Testament here, right in the front, it help, help in a time of need. Uh, if you're afraid, and it gives scriptures, 2 Timothy 1.7 and Psalm 34.4, uh, 
Uh, do they worry? Well, Matthew 6, uh, 31 and 33, um, do they become angry? And it just uh, it gives all kinds of helps. And he'll say, here, take this, and uh, you can give this to your, your child when they're struggling. And you can, they can even look up the verses. They're giving them God's word. See, I think there are, are ways we need to be sharing Christ that, and taking advantage of that we're not doing. Uh, because they were reaching out, this church at Antioch. Uh, it changed everything. They, they knew. Everybody knew that everyone else needed to know Jesus. And that's when, that's when they switched and began sharing it with the Jews, or the Gentiles and the Greeks. Are we sharing? Are we reaching out? Even if they reject. I, uh, I got an email this week from a friend of mine, his name is Jason Slaughter, and he is a chaplain, uh, I think a hospice chaplain. And he wrote an email and said, uh, Pastor Dave, you've done a lot of funerals. Uh, I know, have you, uh, how do you overcome, did you ever get any negative feedback, and how did you overcome it? He said, I preached a, a funeral yesterday, and... When I finished, a member of the family came to me and said, I have no good words to speak to you, and please do not come to the cemetery for the burial. And my heart just fell. And it took me two days before I could write him back. I was just praying for him and hurting for him, and uh, wrote back and said, well, in my experiences, I, I really only know of two times like that in my life and uh, in my funeral ministry, and, but that he was not preaching the funeral for that person. You were preaching it for Jesus Christ and sharing Christ. And as long as you do it in a loving way, in a kind way, then uh, don't let it discourage you from preaching the gospel again. Uh, they will not always hear what we have to say. But then that is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to say it kindly, graciously, but say it. That's the job that God has given to us. The good example, and I applaud these, these uh, believers from Cyprus and Cyrene. They're our examples for outreach. They had an unstoppable outreach they had a lay outreach. Everybody did it. Uh, on the 4th of July now, we're going to have a, uh, a float, right? And we're going to have our church family passing out literature. We're going to use the kids as, uh, because they enjoy doing that too. Passing out flyers and invitations and, and wristbands with NTB, uh, NBT, uh, announcements on it, giving the time, and, and so kids will remember, we're going to be doing that. We need to take advantage of uh, letting know, people know that there's a place that's preaching God's word, and, and that's a ministry that we have. We are not just saving souls from hell. We are, when a person gets saved, that's one more voice praising God in heaven. Uh, that's, and it's about him. It isn't about us. We, we tend to think that it is. 
And we might beg our loved ones to get saved so they don't go to hell, but in reality, it's get saved so you can praise Jesus, you can praise God. That is important. That's the reason we are here. It was a cross-cultural outreach. So an unstoppable outreach, lay outreach, cross-cultural outreach, verses 20 and 21, uh, they reach out to these Gentiles. We have our missions map out there, and those are missionaries that we support. And we support those missionaries because we can't go to those places and share Jesus Christ with them. We can't go to Antioch and share Christ with them. But we can help send those to go. And we do. And we're a generous church. We're a mission-minded church. That's important. It's important to me. It's important to you. And that's why uh, by the end of the year, anywhere from almost a quarter of our budget, $80,000 to $100,000, are actually given to, to missionaries or those that are going to the mission field. Uh, because we want to be a cross-cultural outreach. That's what, they were, what was happening here at Antioch. I, we want to have it happen here in this fall. Cindy and I want to go to, uh, over to Spain to see Seth and Crystal and our new grandson over there and, of course, Tanzan. But while we're there, if things work out and we can go, uh, while we're there, we're going to have an opportunity to visit with other missionaries. Uh, Tina and Barry Bayless, they've been here, and she's done our Bible school for uh, one week. And we went to Pillsbury with her, and, and uh, she taught in the school in Minneapolis where we were for 10 years or so. And now she's a missionary in Spain. And it'll be exciting to go and visit with them in, on their grounds, and their turf, and other missionaries there as well. Because we want to be cross-cultural in our outreach. God is always pleased with missionary efforts because it's in obedience to Jesus Christ himself. You know, in those 40 days between his uh, resurrection from the grave and his ascension into heaven, he was here on earth for 40 days. And he was uh, uh, giving testimony to uh, disciples and believers. One time he uh, was seen of 500 people sharing uh, his goals upon this earth. And right before he goes, he says, Go ye therefore into all the world, to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the, uh, the world. See, he gave it to, to reach out to all nations. And he says, that Then the hand of the Lord will be with you is also a life-changing outreach. Verse 21, The hand of the Lord was with them. A great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Turned. Turned away from their old lives. Turned unto the Lord. When that happens, that's what, when we become believers, that's what we do. We turn unto the Lord. So reaching the lost, that was the first uh, element or principle of a growing, biblically growing church. The second is seen in verse 22. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart 
they would cleave unto the Lord. And he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. So they're teaching the saved, not only reaching the lost, but exhorting them. This word exhort means to encourage, to challenge, to teach them how to live for God. And it says, cleave unto the Lord. Cleave means to abide with. Uh, but it's, it's an intensive verb here. Uh, with perseverance is what it means. Cleave with persistent loyalty. Uh, that's what we need to do. Not to be detoured by discouragement, maybe, but cleave unto the Lord. This involves lingering at the cross to see how, if we stand and, and even in our minds and imagine being at the foot of the cross, what does that do? It, it should do two things for us. It should tell us how bad sin really is. Look at what Jesus is going through for my sin. That's how bad sin is. And it also should tell us how much or how great God's love is that he would actually send his son to go through that for us. So live for God, cleave unto the Lord. It means mortify or put to death the flesh. Realize that this world isn't about me, and it isn't about you. As babies it is, but as we grow up, it is not about you anymore. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. And the second's like unto it, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about others. And then maybe about me. So there's a lot that we need to teach or to learn. Mortifying the flesh. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good, Paul says. Wrap your arms around Jesus. And then you won't be free to wrap, the, your arms won't be free to wrap around the things of this world. And there are a lot of things that we could wrap our arms around. And, but wrap your arms, cleave. You know, that's the picture here. Husband and wife, you know, leave your father and mother and you cleave unto your wife. You wrap your arms, as Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 7, wrap your arms around your wife and then they won't be free to wrap around your neighbor's wife. Uh, and uh, that's an important thing to do. Use your arms. Uh, start your day that way. End your day that way. Um, so you want your kids to cling to the Lord? Then be a good example. And Barnabas, in verse 24, is that good example. He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost. You want your kids to cleave to the Lord? Be a good man and be full of the Holy Ghost. Let them see you. Uh, let them see you in church. Let them see you reading your Bible, having your devotions. Uh, let them see you uh, telling the truth when it would be so easy to, uh, officer, I was only going 65. And the, the kid in the back is saying, no, Dad, you were, uh, you were going 72. You know, let them see you be honest even when it hurts. Be the example of a good man. Now, that's why... It's, it's really important for, for the leadership here. You know, I, I think uh, uh, for myself, uh, I think of Pastor Wayne and Pastor Pete and Pastor Steve. And now when Lee comes on, it'll be Pastor Lee. 
that we be godly men. Uh, and if we're not godly men, then it's up to you as uh, deacons and church family to say, hey, we need godly men. And if we're going to grow biblically, it's going to come with godly leadership, full of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, then much people were added unto the Lord, verse 24. So we need to be godly. Uh, I, I anymore can hardly read the articles that are coming out against, you know, just recently the charlatans on TV and... Um, and it's, it wrecks it for those good preachers that are on TV. Uh, and I, somebody said, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, I don't even want to hear about it. It breaks my heart when men who used to preach God's word are now, uh, their goal in life is to have another jet, you know, to go for a fifth jet or a new Lamborghini. or That's, that's their goal. And that, that bothers me. Uh, I, I want to be known as, as, Bar, as Barnabas was, a good man and full of the Holy Ghost or full of the Holy Spirit, uh, not because of riches or wealth or anything. So they're teaching the saved. Church leadership needs to be a team. I, that's one reason why we skipped and went to chapter 12 in Acts is because we were considering bringing on another uh, team. We, uh, here it says that Barnabas, in verse 25, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek Saul, or Paul. He became the apostle Paul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled, assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians, first at Antioch. So there was a team uh, Barnabas went away, got Paul, said, I can't do all this myself, and he went and got him. We went to South Africa and brought back Lee Peterson uh, to be associate pastor here, beginning next June, not this June. But I think that's important, uh, so that we might be able to fulfill more of the responsibilities that God has given to us. They taught with patience. For a year, they were just teaching. I know a year doesn't seem long, and it isn't long when, when if you're here just one service. You know, so that's not you know, 52 services. You're not going to learn a lot. But they were meeting all the time, whenever they could. Maybe every night, meeting. Why? Because they wanted to know about God's Word. They wanted to know how to be, uh, how to be used of God, to share the God. So it was, uh, they taught with patience. So there's reaching out to the lost, teaching those that were believers. And the last thing of this growing church was uh, loving the brethren or caring for them. Verses 27. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great famine uh, throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren there at Jerusalem, which dwelt in Judah, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. 
So the last thing, you get your outreach to the lost and teaching of the believers. There's also sharing with the brethren. And that's uh, knowledgeable care, caring for them. They were knowledgeable about the need. A prophet came, Agabus, and said, hey, there's a problem in Jerusalem. Those people don't have enough to eat. They've lost their jobs because they're Christians. And so we need to do something to help them. Every now and then we get a missionary report saying, hey, we've got a problem. The, the, uh, the orphanage that we're running needs money, needs food. And we put out the missionary barrel and we raise some money and we send it to them. And uh, we, we hear around the world of the needs. There are times when uh, somebody will come to, to me or to a deacon and say, hey, I, there's a problem. So-and-so doesn't have, have uh, groceries. Uh, and I think this was last week or a week before uh, following the morning service. Uh, there's a problem. This young lady doesn't have groceries in her house. Well, then let's help with that problem. Let's go back into the, the uh, blessing shelves back there and, and let's make sure she has a box of food that she can carry. Well, they needed to be informed about it. And sometimes we're not informed about the needs that you have uh, until maybe it's, it's too late. That's why we have that we take up offerings to fill the blessing shelves with second harvest goods. Uh, let us know when you have great needs. And that is the reason why, you know, that young lady that, was, that mentioned that this is a great church because we passed around plates of money for anybody that needed uh, needed some help. That's okay. Yeah. If you, if you need that. That's why we're here. This is our church family and in the community as well. As the church gets larger, it's going to cost more, as we see. Um, and it, as it gets larger, it's harder to keep track. You know, the deacons are here, and they're watching certain people, making sure that we, we meet the needs that they might have. But a lot of people slip by. So if you know of a need that maybe we can help with, then share it with a deacon or share it with myself. In fact, uh, the deacons that we have here, I know that some of the deacons are, are gone, but deacons, would you just stand? Guys, because, okay. All right, so we've got, we've got a good representation and you know of somebody that has a need, okay, you can sit down. Thanks, guys. Um, the care for one another. It was knowledgeable care. It was familial care or family. Uh, taking care of the family here. It says here, to the brethren that were in Jerusalem, to other believers that were in Jerusalem. They gave this uh, in uh, Galatians 6.10 it says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, but especially unto those who are of the household of faith, especially to the believers, or especially to First Baptist. And this family here, you have needs. We should be helping meet those needs as best we can. It was sacrificial care. It cost to do this. They didn't respond knowing that a drought was coming with hoarding. They took up offerings to help the church at Jerusalem. It was important to them, and they sent it by Paul and Barnabas. So as we grow, 
there's going to be more outreach. There needs to be more teaching. And there needs to be more giving or sacrificing. That's all part of a church that the hand of the Lord was with them. If we want the hand of the Lord to be with us, these are three elements, at least, from this church at Antioch that we need to continue to develop. We are a, a sacrificing church, and I appreciate that. And so that, that's uh, biblical. That's important. So as we grow, consider these things. We are growing. And so we need to develop all three of these areas here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the example from the church at Antioch. Forgive us when we fail to be compassionate, when we fail to, to teach from your word, when we fail to give testimony of you outside of our little circles. Lord, help us to be faithful, please asking that you might lay it upon my heart in all of these areas. Do the same for those that hear this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.